Oh boy, oh boy, folks, we have a show for you today. I know I'm not greeting you like my normal self, but that's because I've been muted for an extra 20 seconds trying to uh, recuperate all of uh, all of my nerves uh, from what Matthew and I have been listening to. Uh, Matt is actually here with me right now. How are you, Matt? <laughs> Dude, I am doing fantastic. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to know, are you crying any, right now? Are you crying about something? But if you don't understand what we're talking about right now, which you probably don't have a clue, it's pretty, it's not out there quite yet on, on the grand scale, but Ray Lewis, yes, Ray Lewis, middle linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens has released a teaser of his new hot, fresh single coming out by single I do mean he is having a song play yes Ray Lewis middle linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens gonna try to have a singing career Matthew please hit me with that funk and freshy beat you know right now that's why men cry for women that's why women women can I slow down to to honor a woman mama you can hear me I'm sorry for the pain and pass it to your love I was in that's what I mean. Yeah. Oh my god, this is real. <laughs> this is real. Holy god. C- can you stay in the rain, Kyle? I can't. I, I don't have an umbrella. <laughs> I don't have an umbrella big enough for this bullshit. An umbrella, Ella? Ella? I hey. Rihanna's my girl, man, but Ray Lewis Ray Lewis ain't my homeboy anymore. Top of women. <laughs> he should he should apologize to Rihanna for not knowing that she had to use an umbrella for all this shit. That's why women women <laughs> slow down to, to honor a woman. I hate this. I hate everything about this. this hey Kyle. <laughs> you hear me? I'm sorry for the pain. I'm sorry for the pain. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, I love that there's nobody on this podcast live right now. None. We are recording live. We have zero uh, plays well right now. Doing this, uh, it, it's going to go up on iTunes and SoundCloud and all that stuff later. So obviously, if you're listening later on, I apologize. No, I don't. No, I really don't. But oh we have nobody live as of right now. They kind of trickle in as the show kind of starts up, but. Uh, you know, the people that are listening live, that are going to be listening live, are going to have no fucking idea what we're talking about. Oh, God. <laughs> All they're going to, they're not going to get the reference, ha <laughs> women. Or women, ha <laughs> I don't. Again, it's it's Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> women. Ha <laughs> ha. All right, so so my rapper laugh is always Will Smith. <laughs> yeah, women. <laughs> I don't know. This is worse than than Steve Smith Senior going down on injury. <laughs> this is worse than Matt Shaw being the starting quarterback for the Ravens. <laughs> uh, this is worse. That's why men cry for women. 
This is worse than both of Terrell Suggs' uh, Achilles injuries. That's why men cry for women. This is worse than Dennis Pitta being retired. That's why men cry for women. <laughs> this is almost <laughs> worse than Ray Rice punching his wife. That's why men cry for women. And getting it recorded. This is worse than Greg. This is worse than Greg Hardy still being in the NFL. Oh. This is how bad this song is. This is how bad this song is. Don't draw the line now. You don't. Fuck you. You don't get to be on board with me saying it's better than people blowing out their legs. But whoa, 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 whoa. Now that we actually did involve why why men are crying for women, we gotta stop. You're fucking on this train for the entire ride. Oh shit! Oh god, I'm dying a little bit. Oh yeah, that's how. That's what me and women. Oh my god! I'm crying, Ray. I'm crying. That's why women, women. <laughs> Can I slow down? To- Slow it down, Ray. Slow it down. No, play it back. I want to. I want to act like I'm the producer sitting here listening and to this. He, well, here's here's where he slows it down too. Same fucking beat. Uh huh. The beat never slows down. Nope. And if anything, he speeds up. The singing gets faster. But can- so I'm not entirely sure Ray Lewis knows how to slow down. I think he just has too many hits playing football. <laughs> he's pretty sure he's not Ray Lewis anymore. He's like, dude, a, lo- a lot of people love when I call myself Ray Lewis. I should I should keep using that to my advantage. A lot of people love me. I bet they love my singing, too. I mean, I love my singing. I mean, I, I wrote a book. People love my book. Exactly. I can do anything. If I can write a book, I can write a song. It reminds me of uh, it reminds me of the Key and Peele sketch where uh, he he hits the the game winning um game winning play uh, and he's like, man, you can do anything. What? Kids, you can fly. No, no, kids, you can't actually fly. You literally <laughs> can fly. Jump out oh, yeah. of your window, kids! Is ages ages eight through twelve. Hop on your friend's back, and you can become a transformer on the highway. You can <laughs> do it. You can do anything. And then, and then the next scene is uh, is him sitting at a podium. He's like, uh, first off, I'd like to apologize to the twelve families that lost their their children. I did not know the difference between the words literally and figuratively. And now that I do, I would like to apologize. <laughs> and this is what Ray Lewis is doing. I can do anything. I can play football. I can fly. I can sing and write a book at the same time. That's why men cry for women. <laughs> this song officially broke me. I'm going to have to break what? something in my fucking house to get my manhood back. <laughs> what I find really the best of all of this is 
how terrible of a song it is. And, and it's not even a song that, bad, that's that bad specifically because it's just Ray Lewis and that's goofy or, or that intro line, even though that intro line's pretty bad. It's pretty terrible. It's, it's the terrible beat. It's an awful beat. And it's the even worse production. You're Ray Lewis. You've got damn near an infinite amount of money at this point in your career. Right. You have connections to really anyone you could possibly want. Anyone and everyone, yes. I mean, really, if you if you call up Dre, like, hey, look, do- doctor, I-, I I need a little help on my song. I'm releasing a song. It's for the kids. I'm trying to, you know, trying to make amends to what I've done wrong in my life. Trying to go ahead and, and and teach right from wrong to these kids and hopefully get through to them. You know damn well Dr. Dre would probably be on board. And if he isn't, you just pay his ass. Right. He makes the money either way. He's going to do it. it. Exactly. So it, instead, Ray Lewis went, fuck it. Where the hell can I find a joke <laughs> in <it>. high school? <laughs> That's my favorite line. Ah, fuck it. <laughs> just, <laughs> this is Ray Lewis writing a song for the kids and men and women. And, you know, he's like, man... This got to be real. It's got to be from the soul. You know, he's he's motivating himself at this point. I can do exactly. this. I can do. We can do this. Let's do this for our soul and green apple pineapples, man. We can do this. You know what? You know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. <laughs> he's just got like a junior in high school. It's just, man. Yeah, I've got a cracked version of of uh, auto tune here. Let's let's get this thing going. Play it again. Let me go ahead and reload it real quick. That's why men cry for women. That's why women, women, can I slow down to to all the women? Somebody dominates at playing Garage Band. I'll tell you that. You hear the you hear the piano come in and it's like a five tune piano. Exactly. Just with all the resources Ray Lewis has, I mean the dude's on ESPN. He was a former player, greatest linebacker of all time, Hall of Fame player. Eventually, when he gets to that point, made millions upon millions upon millions. He has a brand. After him he's now. Two Super Bowl championships. He's a Super Bowl it, MVP, for God's sake. Exactly. Dude just wrote a book, and it's doing phenomenal it from is. everything that I, I see. Yeah, it. I've heard it's really good, actually. And, and then when it comes to music, skimped out as hugely as possible. I feel like I could find a homeless man in, in Baltimore's Inner Harbor that could produce a better Jesus song. Jesus Christ. And I, look, I, look, I'm the one that had to write up this article, and for you listening, Neil, if you are listening, fuck you for <laughs> introducing me to this, making me have to write this. But <laughs> women, I, I just, I, I, I love Ray Lewis. I, I, I don't, I don't like the preachiness. I'm not a big fan of the, you know, rah rah rah. I think all that kind of got old there toward the end of his career, but. You can't deny what type of a player he was, even just as an inspirational uh, character. You know what he was able to do for for the Baltimore Ravens, especially his final season. I mean, I, I think without Ray Lewis there, uh, you know, his final season being on the line already, I don't think that team goes to the Super Bowl. I don't think they win the Super Bowl. So it's just 
flabbergasting to me to where anyone in their right mind said, Ray, let's release an EP, man. Let's do it. Let's, yeah, you you sound good. Get up in that mic. I don't want. I, I hate this. This is the stupidest thing to come out of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. And I said Kyle Arrington was going to be a good cornerback. <laughs> Welcome to the rest of the show, everybody. Oh fucking god! Congratulations! You've made it. You've made. Oh, we got one play now. This is perfect. You missed the entire. <laughs> I can't believe this is real. I can't believe it's real. I like that we've talked for 13 fucking minutes about this. So now that we've played the best show on to, over the air, oh, let's continue. Fantastic. That's why men grab for women! <laughs> women on three! Women on three! Really One, great. two, three, women! Ha <laughs> ha! Let me slow down, y'all! Cover two zones! Women cry! Men cry about women! We all cry! <laughs> you were starting getting really like Fat Albert eat her the end. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Hey, hey, hey! We cry for women today! <laughs> oh! We're gonna be opening up the phone line soon, guys. Uh, you know what? Actually, I'm gonna open it up now. Fuck it. Please, if you have, if you can stand the rain, call us up. Please, please, please give us a call. The number is four one zero six three five zero eight six nine. Again, that's four one zero six three five zero eight six nine. Give us a call. Let us know what you think about the new Ray Lewis EP. Can, can you stand, stand the rain? The rain. That's why women. Women. Let me slow it down, y'all. For all our women. Uh, Let me slow it down, y'all. For all our women. Let me slow it down, y'all. For all our women. The sentence doesn't make sense if you say woman or women. As in multiple. Like, it's both terrible. Look, I'm going to make the joke here. He does have, like, 14 women as his baby baby wives, baby, baby, baby girls. Baby mamas. Baby mamas. I, I, I am so white that I forgot what the phrase was. Baby mamas. He's got, like, 14 baby mamas, so that's why he has to do this song. Because child support is a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Dude needs residuals. And he needs that music career to cash some checks. <laughs> Fuck it, if two chains can do it, I mean, come on, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get shot. Yeah, we're. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now, moving on, for the love of God, I'm gonna finally move on from this, folks. <laughs> moving on. We do have the biggest news of the week besides this hot, fresh single about women. Dennis Pitta has been moved to the injured reserve list, and by doctor's orders, he's expected to retire. Uh, It's really upsetting. It's more upsetting than uh, Ray Lewis's new single. Um, 
this is absolutely devastating to the Ravens, as this man was a vital part for the Baltimore Ravens' success in 2012, winning a Super Bowl. Uh, people forget how vital Dennis Pitta's catch in overtime was against the uh, against the Denver Broncos in the AFC Divisional. It was a third and 13, I believe. The Ravens were on the three-yard line, and if this wasn't going to convert, they had to punt it out of their own end zone. And as good as Sam Cook is a punter, speaking of which, he is on Twitter now, so follow him, uh, we would have kicked it into field goal range, they would have kicked it, and uh, Matt Prater would have won them the game. Instead, Joe Flacco throws a Hail Mary 14 yards at uh, Dennis Pitta, and he still somehow snags it in double coverage. And lo and behold, the Ravens uh, won the divisional, then they won the championship, and then they won the Super Bowl. And Dennis Pitta also caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. He was amazing in this entire series. It's just overlooked because... Jacoby Jones was phenomenal, and Joe Flacco was uh, god tier. You know, it was unbelievable how good they were. But Dennis Pitta yeah. is now retired. Matt, I'm going to ask you the uh, obvious question of what does this mean for the Baltimore Ravens? Well, you know, I, I think everyone knew this was coming. Uh, you know, you and I talked about it beforehand, and I know I'm kind of already slipping into the next segment, but the Ravens have three other tight ends on this roster. So for the Baltimore Ravens, what this really means is when the hell are they going to cut him? Um, is Or is, is he going to retire? Either way, it, it ultimately ends up in the same spot. The Ravens are on the hook for, uh, I believe it is $6.6 million. And I'm actually bringing that up as we have it right now. Yeah, they're on the line for $6.6 million at the end of the season. Um, and that's going to be figured out somehow. So that, that's got to be split up. If the Ravens go ahead and cut him uh, the June 1st designation, I believe they only pay uh, something like you know $1 million or $1.1 million this season, or excuse me, next season. Uh, but then in 2017, they go ahead and eat the other $5 million. So, or five $5.5 million. So, um, Regardless of if he retires or if the Ravens cut him, uh, there is a, a relatively hefty dead cap hit that the Ravens are going to have to eat. Uh, if he does decide that he can come back, um, the Ravens can try to trade him. And I was talking with somebody else about this just recently, but, uh, you know, if you're any other team, what would you give for Dennis Pitta? I can't imagine it would be anything other than the latest of late picks you could possibly have. I mean, a seventh rounder, and I, I certainly, if I was another team, I wouldn't be paying a seventh rounder in the 2016 draft or really the 2017 draft. I would be saying probably 2019-ish. Right. Um, you know, so so ultimately for the Ravens, it means little. Uh, it's it's not going to screw with them in the slightest. They already have three other tight ends. Uh, that, that they feel comfortable moving forward with in Crockett Gilmore, Max Williams, and Nick Boyle. Uh, both Nick Boyle and Max Williams are rookies, and Crockett Gilmore is a second-year player who's kind of stepped up pretty big for the Ravens. Uh, again, it just comes down to dead money, and uh, I'll I'll hand it over to you, but I'll talk a little bit about uh, the Ravens giving him a, a heftier contract with some guarantees in it that uh, they probably shouldn't have. But, uh, again, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Right. Now, 
What up? What what's up next is uh is how do you think how long do you think management has known about this? And I'm gonna steal this real quick and say they've known it since uh the the first injury, hence why the Ravens you know drafted Crockett Gilmore, and why they drafted Max Williams and Nick Boyle last season last draft because they they knew he wasn't coming back and they knew he shouldn't come back, and regardless of how bad the uh, cap hit situation was um doesn't matter he uh he played well and but this is this is already moving on and they knew that from the start matt do you have any disagreements with that i'm going to disagree with you in the fact that i don't think they knew it in the first injury i think they were told from the first injury that he could rehab it he could be okay um and, and the main reason for that is because they gave him a contract afterwards uh, there was no reason for them to give him a contract afterwards, and, and again, I'll, I'll get into that in just a minute. But uh, I, I do think they know after, knew after the second injury, and uh, you know wh- when you saw it, if you saw it, you, you saw Pitta go down with an injury, not being touched. Mm-hmm. Um, you know he he caught the ball in the flat, went to go turn up field, and went down. Uh, it was kind of disturbing to see, and I think again, anyone that saw it went. Well, that's that's his career. Yep. I, I I doubt anyone looked at that and said, "Well, he'll be back next season." Yeah. Um, which is a shame for for Dennis, obviously, and and um, you know, but it is what it is. And I think the Ravens at that point, like I said, they already had Crockett Gilmore on the roster. And they went, "Okay, it's time to add somebody else here. It's time to add in another another rookie." And that's when they added uh, Max Williams in the second round of the 2015 NFL draft. Uh, they, they did end up grabbing Nick Boyle in the fifth round, but I, I think that's more or less just a BPA type of pick, a best player available. Uh, maybe add him in as a blocker, since Max Williams not really known for that necessarily. Uh, throw him in on, on your jumbo sets when you want to go ahead and try to rush it uh, to that side with the essentially use Nick Boyle as an extra tackle. Right. Uh, and, and they got lucky with the fact that Boyle can catch the ball. He's really so. Good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but even Crockett Gilmore. I mean, coming out of the draft or coming into the draft, uh, Crockett wasn't really expected to be a pass catching tight end. Right. Uh, in talking with him earlier this week, uh, I, sorry, I don't actually have the audio with me, but uh, I asked him about that. I said, "Look, you, you came into the draft. You weren't known as a pass ca- catching tight end. I mean, what what the hell happened?" And he went, "Well, people don't know what the hell they're talking about." <laughs> <laughs> I've always been good at that. I, it's something that, uh, you know, maybe I didn't show all that much, but uh, it's something I'm always good at, and I'm showcasing it now. Yep. So, um, so again, the Ravens kind of got lucky in Nick Boyle and, and in Crockett Gilmore in that sense that both of them were, were pass-catching tight ends, uh, even though they weren't necessarily known for it. But, um, but yeah, I don't think they knew after the first one. I, I don't know, man. Was, was his contract before or after the injury? It was after. It was. I remember it being yeah. before. Hmm. Weird. All right. Well, then you're probably right, and I'm just being wrong because I was shooting out of my ass. But uh, the next question I, we do have here is, was it dumb to give him a contract? And I'm going to say no. The reason I'm saying no is because he was a he, – he was third most in targets every single year, if not more than that. He was possibly second. Uh, when it wasn't when with Anquan, I know he was number one because it was him and Torrey Smith. But Dennis Pitta was an amazing tight end. He was great at his playmaking ability. He was good at blocking. He wasn't stellar, but he was good. And he was amazing 
at route running. He was great at getting up, fighting for footballs, and uh, and scoring. He knew how to make plays after the catch. He knew how to get to the catch. He was he was stellar in all fronts, and the Ravens needed somebody that could do that because all they had before that was Torrey Smith uh, running in a straight line and getting either a defensive pass interference call or a touchdown, it seemed like. And somebody needed to go over the middle because they lost Anquan Bolden. They needed to pay somebody to be able to do something with Joe Flacco. I don't think it was stupid. I think uh, it was a little much, but you have to overpay sometime. At some point, you have to overpay for a player to keep them. They did it with Joe Flacco. They did it with Dennis Pitta. One of them's working out amazingly. One of them didn't. It just happens. It happens in every game, in every team. You know, somebody has to be overpaid. You have to keep somebody at some point. Matt, what do you think, though? Uh, here's where I'm going to disagree with you. The, the first and foremost thing is that uh, it was July 27th that Pitta had suffered a dislocated and fractured hip. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was during training camp, and he underwent surgery the same night. So uh, the Ravens kind of tried to get him back that season, and they, and they did. Um, he did go ahead and return in that season, and obviously it was what it was. Uh, the Ravens, that off season then signed him to a five-year, $32 million contract. Now, it's not necessarily the contract that bothers me, and I wrote about this at the time. I was very... Uh, strong on this opinion at the time, and, and obviously it's proven me right since. This is a guy that was coming off of a hip injury. You don't see hip injuries like that in the NFL mm-hmm. for a good reason. The hip is one of the tougher joints to break like that. It's one of the tougher to dislocate like that if you're a healthy 20-something. Right. So with an injury like that, you're more you're also more likely to have that injury again and again and again. Um it's the best example I can use is it's like an action figure. Those joints are the same type of joints. They're ball joints. But if you keep popping them in and out, that hole gets a little bit larger and then the ball joint just keeps popping out randomly. So, you know, it's, it's a tough thing to go ahead and come back from and be at that level you were before. Uh, in addition to that, the Ravens gave him the type of contract that they really shouldn't have. And here's here's what I'm going to say. In 2014, they gave him a contract of $32 million with $16 million guaranteed, so 50%. Comparatively, he is 10th as of right this minute in contracts right. in terms of dollar <laughs> amount. Right. Of all tight ends. He's 10th as of right now. And keep in mind, you also have Rob Gronkowski there. You have Julius Thomas, who just got a contract uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. You've got Jimmy Graham, uh, who got a contract slightly before uh, uh, Dennis Pitta did. Right. Uh, you had Charles Clay, who also just got a contract this season. Right. So you've got three, four players there who really shouldn't count necessarily. Eh, I feel like Gronkowski, Graham... And Julius Thomas should count because they were like they were being this good during his like fiasco. Like Gronkowski's and Grams at least should count. But what what I'm saying is that Pitta's contract was counted not against those. It was only counted against uh, uh, Rob Gronkowski's at the time. At the time, Jason Witten was the highest paid tight end. Okay, which the money that they gave him put him at one, two, three, four, fifth. They put him at sixth the sixth highest paid tight end right. in the league at the time he signed the contract. I felt like he was top ten 
So he made some extra dollars. And we needed to have him because we didn't have any fucking receivers. So I feel like we had to overpay for him. And I was okay with it. Well, now, now let's also look a little bit about what Pitta actually put up. Uh, and, and I wrote about this a, a long time ago, so I don't have all the stats in front of me. Mm-hmm. Pitta only had one good season. Right. Um, and people will argue with me left and right. But when you look at his, at his numbers, 2011, he had 40 receptions for 405 yards. That was a good season, but not great. Yeah. 2012, 61 receptions for 669 yards. That's pushing great. That's pushing top 10. How many touchdowns was it, did he have that? Do you know? He had seven. Seven, that's pretty big. I feel like that's pretty big. It, the touchdowns are big, but also keep in mind 2012 is the season that, you know, really the, the Ravens didn't have a red zone threat necessarily. Right. Uh, they had Anquan Bolden, but everyone was triple covering Anquan Bolden. Right. Uh, especially down in the red zone. So he, he got a lot of those because of that. But he was also pretty open. Like, I remember watching that, and he was he was a red zone threat. It wasn't that the Ravens yeah. didn't have one anymore. He became it, and I feel like he's he should be credited with that. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll agree with that. Okay. I, I, I'm not saying it's necessarily everyone was ignoring him or mm-hmm. anything like that. He, he was a legitimate threat, but still even at 669 yards, that was, I believe, that put him in like a 10th or 11th that year in terms of, of yardage on all tight ends. Who, who would have had more than him, though? I mean, like, thinking on it, on the, in the 2012 season, like, Gronkowski obviously is. Graham, obviously. Jason Witten, yes. Tony Gonzalez was playing, I believe, in 2012, yes. Um, that's, that's four of the best names. Then I, I assume maybe three more were better than him on, on yards. So that puts him at eighth. That puts him at eighth. And I feel like that's about that, where he should be. Because tight ends aren't receivers. Like it's really tough to compare like yards for tight ends because we all expect them to have thousand yard seasons, especially when we have players that are as absolutely unbelievable as Gronkowski and Graham are. Absolutely, and I'll agree with you on that. But like we already discussed, Pitta wasn't the best blocker in the world. That's that's right. not what his role was. He was still good. Uh, he was. He was still. He, he was okay. I mean, Ray Rice that year was unbelievable. He had, oh, I believe, around twelve hundred yards. So he was part of that blocking. I know Marshall Yonda helps, but... I was going to say, it helps having the, the squad that the Ravens had yes. as an offensive line there. Yeah, but, but he was a part of it. Looking at this, 2012, at the end of the regular season, Jason Witten was first uh-huh. with a little over 1,000 yards. Ain't nobody getting close to that. Right. Tony Gonzalez was after that. Yep. Jimmy Graham after that. Brandon Myers after that. Heath Miller after that, okay. Greg Olson after that makes at six, that makes sense. Jermaine Gresham seventh, also Owen sense. fucking Daniels was eighth. Uh, he, so that was that was with Matt Schaub in his 2012 season. He was a Pro Bowler that year. Jermichael, uh, excuse me, actually, I'm looking at the wrong thing here. Ah. It doesn't make it any better. Damn I can it. assure you. <laughs> Jason Witten, Jimmy Graham, Tony Gonzalez, Greg Olson, Heath Miller, Brandon Myers. Okay. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, Jermaine Gresham, Owen Daniels, Brent Selleck, and then Dennis Pitta. Selleck was in the new uh, scheme, wasn't he? No, that was 2013. Just kidding. Nope. Uh, yep. And this is 2012. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, you know, this is Brandon Myers for Oakland had more yards. I have nothing to argue. You're right. Like that just happens. He was. He was. They're play, No, they're was, playing garbage time. Garbage time tight end. That's my argument. 
he he was mediocre. Let's be honest. Even when it comes to averages, he was mediocre. Uh, one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Yeah, he he's middle of the pack. He's in the twenties. In that in in average uh, yards per catch. Okay. Now, in terms of touchdowns, he is he is sixth. Right. Overall, so that kind of balances some things out. Okay. But nonetheless, I'd still say he's just outside the top ten. Okay. And we paid him. The Ravens the gave him a sixth ranked contract, so they paid for potential. He, yeah, he was going into his paid. prime. He was only getting better every season. Minus a hip injury, he broke his hip. Yeah, he dislocated. So you're paying his hip, for yes. potential. You're paying. You're paying for a potential of a healthy player that wasn't healthy. Right. Now he did come back. He did play the last few games of that season, but he had a fucking broken hip. You, you, you don't. That that decreases his value. Right. It just does. Uh, just like right now, I mean, you wouldn't give him a contract that would be top fifteen in the league. Right. Because. Who the hell knows if he's going to be, even if he can come back, if he's going to be the same player next year. Okay. You just don't know. So uh, the Ravens the Ravens were dumb for giving him the contract they did give him. Yes. Which, you know, look, like you said, maybe they went into that going, look, we, we've, we've got to. We've, we've kind of got to shit or get off the pot. That's what it is. Uh, okay, fair enough, I guess. Um, but, you know, like I said, that, then you're kind of looking at, then the next season, he breaks his hip again. Yep. And and now we are where we are with him, which is you've paid him. And keep in mind, his contract is guaranteed for $16 million. Yeah. You, ga- okay. you gave him, you gave him uh, excuse me, $11 million in signing bonus. All that's guaranteed. And then you guaranteed the first two fucking years. You gave him 2014 and 2015 guaranteed. Now, granted, 2016, 2017, and 2018 not guaranteed, but even in 2016, you're still on the hook for $6.6 million. So if he never plays a snap of football again, which ultimately he really hasn't since you gave him that contract, you're on the hook for $16 million, and there's not a thing you can do about it. Yay. <laughs> so that's that's where my argument comes in. I, I, I love Ozzie Newsome. I think he's one of the best in the business. He got raked over the coals on that one. There's no reason why you guarantee him that much. Yep. You can give him that contract. That's fine. Don't guarantee it for $16 million. Don't give him the first two years guaranteed. Maybe give him the first year guaranteed and say, look, we'll give you a million dollars the base salary in 2014. And we'll go ahead and give you $8 million in a signing bonus. Right. But your last three or four years, we'll go ahead and give you a, a nice fat contract. Pitta knows ultimately the last three years he's going to end up restructuring it. He's going to end up having to uh, do something else on that, an extension of some sort. Right. But it's it's a prove it until you do it type of deal. Makes sense. And, you know, the Ravens didn't do that, and that's, that's on them. Yeah, and you're right. You're absolutely right. It was a bad contract. Now that you explained it more and more so, you're right. And it's frustrating. Wonderful. I'm so happy we're screwed up in all fronts, offense, defense, just not special teams, thank God. That's why me and top of women. And our goddamn best linebacker is playing out terrible songs. I cry 
for contracts. I cry for. That's why women, women. <laughs> why the laugh there? I just women, women. <laughs> Folks, we play Jacksonville on Sunday. <laughs> Oh, I love the segue. And, and Matt and I have, have argued about this previously on our initial thoughts. I think the Ravens are now going to lose. We talked about it last week, and I said it was going to be a win. I think it's going to be a loss now. I went to I'mRight.com and uh, looked up any good Jacksonville stats to make me make me I'm right. And uh, the biggest one is Jags, the Jaguars wide receivers, Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns, are number one and number two in the NFL in yards per catch. Both are over 17 yards, 17.7 and 17.6, respectively. And you have to have a minimum of 30 catches for this. So the Ravens' defense is going to be screwed, in my opinion, on this passing passing offense. They're going to get even more yards per catch, and we're going to be embarrassed. That's my opinion. I don't care if we had a bye week and we're chilling out. I don't care. Blake Bortles is on pace for 4,200 yards. We're fucked. We're fucked. Blake Bortles is going to beat us, and we're going to be beat by the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's my opinion. Matt, argue against me. Tell me that I'm wrong. You're totally wrong. You're totally wrong. It's uh, Look, the Jaguars on offense are doing pretty well, and uh, I actually just wrote an article about it today that these are not the same Jaguars from – earlier in the uh, 2000s that you could kind of laugh at. They had, uh, what, David Garrard and uh, a host of terrible head coaches. Um, You know, this is not the same team. Uh, I'll give them that. This is the Oakland Raiders from last year, where you can suddenly go, wait a second, they've got something going on now. And and the reason why I say that is because the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, on offense are not doing that bad. They're actually 11th in pass yards. They're putting up 257.6 yards through the air per game. That's not great. It's 11th overall, uh, but it is, it's, a, it's a good sign of things to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rushing yards are where they kind of falter a little bit here. Uh, they're 23rd overall, and with 96.8, they're going to be going up against the Ravens defense that ultimately doesn't have to – they don't have to commit anybody to the run. They're just not doing that great with a run, so the Ravens could do a lot better. They can pin their ears back, get after Bortles a little bit. Where the Jaguars really falter, and where I think this is the difference here, is in points. Points scored, the Jacksonville Jaguars are 22nd with 21.2. Clearly, they're, they're getting the yardage through the air, but they're just not being able to punch it in. So they're, they're having to kick field goals. They're having to, uh, you know, hopefully try to go for it on fourth down, and, and hopefully they get it if you're the Jaguars, um, but they're just not hitting them. And part of that goes back to the rushing yards. Just when you're 23rd and you're in those short yardage situations, people know you're going to be able to run it, or you know you're going to try to run it, uh, and, and you're going to get stopped, especially against a big team like the Baltimore Ravens are on the uh, defensive line. So... While the Ravens' defense, not all that great, uh, total all defense, Ravens are allowing 25th overall points with 26.8. Uh, they're allowing 29th overall in the passing yards with 283.9. Uh, but again, in the rush yards, they're only allowing 
99.8, which is 10th overall in the league. So uh, the Ravens are clearly doing something right there. Uh, I also want to go ahead and point out that when it comes to what we know from the, the Ravens so far has been from earlier this season. Uh, it's This is a team that did fairly well against Phillip Rivers and the top-ranked passing attack from the San Diego Chargers. Now, I, I we do have to go ahead and admit that players were getting hurt left and right, yeah. but that's not really an excuse at the end of the day. We can't go ahead and, and use that as an excuse uh, for the Baltimore Ravens sucking. So let me go ahead and throw this out there. Phillip Rivers, 301 yards through the air and three touchdowns. That's a pretty damn good day for anybody. It's a great day. But he spread the ball around to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different people. Few teams have ten people to spread the ball around to, period. Much less positive players. Uh, and Michael Floyd led the way with 92 yards receiving, but that was on a botched play, the only botched play, I should say, by the Baltimore Ravens, mm-hmm. in which they gave up a big play like that. It was a 70-yard touchdown. You take that away, which you can never take them away, but nonetheless, if the Ravens are able to take away that one big play that the, the San Diego Chargers got, you're, you're down to Phillip Rivers has a mediocre stat of 230 yards on the game. Michael or uh, Malcolm Floyd has 22 yards through the air. Your your biggest person of the day is Antonio Gates. Now, again, Antonio Gates, the Jaguars do have uh Julius Thomas. Julius Thomas, but Julius Thomas not doing all that great this season. Uh whether he just doesn't have the uh, confidence of Blake Bortles, whether or not he was a product of the Denver Broncos and Peyton Manning, I'm not entirely sure yet. But he does only have 13 receptions for 116 yards and only one touchdown. So this is not the same Julius Thomas that we saw last season. And actually, we have a call coming in right now. Yay! How's it going? You're on the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. How's it going? Going great. What's your name? Uh, my name is Chris. Hey, Chris. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, Atlanta. That's perfect. All right. What's your question for us? Um, it's, The question is, it's not so much of a question. It's just that um, during this, um, this week that um, Ravens had, you know, I'm just – my question there is third down, you know, penalties, how – what. Is Flacco going to be comfortable to make a third down pass to these new wide receivers in these new positions? The third, you know, first and second, you know, guys with Akon and um, also with um, Gibbons, you know, and then also this guy that they got from the practice squad or off the streets from um, New Orleans. You know, yeah. those critical situations in red zone, is he going to be able to make that call pass? Is he going to be comfortable to make that pass in tight situations, fourth quarter? you know, starting with this game against Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think that's a great question. It's actually something we're going to be touching on a little bit uh, later on in the show, but but we'll, we'll go ahead and answer a little bit of that now. And uh, I think uh, Kyle might disagree with me on this one. I, I don't think Joe Morgan, who is the player that the Ravens picked up, uh, who was on the New Orleans Saints, 
I don't think he's really going to be playing right now. He's so far down on the depth chart. Uh, I think he still needs a few more weeks until he can get acclimated to Joe Flacco and this offense. Uh, but Chris Givens, we've seen great things out of him in the very limited chance that we've, we have seen of him. Uh, Kamar Aiken right. has been a guy that's been very hit or miss, but he typically hits a game, misses a game, hits a game, misses a game. Uh, and he is kind of due for a game against one of the worst defenses in the league when it comes to that. Uh, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are allowing 263.5 passing yards through the air, uh, and that is ranked 25th overall, and they're 30th in points. So the Ravens, they, they've got three big tight ends uh, against not all a great uh, a front seven, uh, not against a, a great safety or anything like that. So Crockett Gilmore and right. Max Williams should be able to get open. And, and then, you know, you hope Kamar Aiken and, and Chris Givens step up. We did see that when Steve Smith Sr. went down that final drive uh, in order to go ahead and win the game. The, the Ravens got something going on offense. So hopefully with the bye week, you, you kind of, you'd figure that they would all know each other a little bit better. But uh, this will be an interesting game to find out. Yeah, one more question. I, um, who's going to be that pass rusher on the other side for uh, Elvis um, Domerville? That just <laughs> seems like it just it just seems like we got a blitz. I suppose our secondary. I just wonder if they can if they develop in Smith. If are they able to get you know something out of our any other pass rusher? It just seems like fourth quarter we need that stop we need that turnover we can't get to the quarterback to get him off rhythm or get him off his spot yeah I, that's that's a huge question there and um you know I, I think i think the ravens are probably taking interviews right now for it so if you have cleats and you can get to the stadium <laughs> that's probably uh they, they'd probably welcome you but um I, you know right now they're they're throwing a bunch of different people at it and it's they're trying to get push uh on the defensive line and we've seen brandon williams try to do it. Timmy Jernigan's also trying to do a little something. Uh, and, and they do seem to be trying to push Zadarius Smith, their fourth-round pick in this year's draft. They're trying to go ahead and push him into that player position. Uh, I don't think they feel very confident with Courtney Upshaw doing it. He hasn't been playing well all season long. So I think we're starting to see the transition from Courtney Upshaw over to Zaria, Zaria, Zadarius Smith. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, that's, that's a good question. And uh, I think... Really, as the season goes on, it'll be interesting to see who steps up or who doesn't. Right. All right. Well, thank you so much. I'll call you again after the game to see how it, hopefully you get this win. <laughs> excellent. Great. Excellent. I, I'm with you. Hopefully we're three and six and not two and seven. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Well, thank you so much. Have a good night. Thank you too, Chris. Yeah, Kyle, so, uh, yeah, great question there in terms of uh, you know, what are the Ravens going to do defensively and offensively. Obviously, Steve Smith is not going to be in the equation uh, for for this week's game or for the rest of the season. That, I think, is the biggest question mark, and you and I talked about it before the show. But, um, God, if, if the Ravens can get an offense going, even if it's not as good as what it has been throughout the entire season, if they can muster some offense in the passing game, uh, this is an offense that I think can do it. And and I think against a weak uh, Jaguars defense, I, I think this is the game to have. We'll see. I, I see this game being very, uh, very tight end and run game oriented. Flacco is not yeah. going to want to pass. They're going to 
force the other squad to commit to the run. And when they do, they'll finally be able to get Chris Gibbons uh, open on the streak routes. They'll have Kamara Aiken open in some possession intermediate routes. And I hope to see uh, if Marlon Brown is out there to uh, see some catches instead of drops by him. Uh, but I see this being very double tight end sets, triple tight end sets. I see this being very heavy. It's going to be a very heavy game, very inclusive on the run. I see Javorius yeah. Allen getting some big handoffs. This is a game to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing that, uh, again, in my article that I wrote earlier on, this Jacksonville Jaguars team has only been blown out once this season, and that's against New England in Week 3. I don't think you can really count that nope, at all. Nope, nope. Uh, and, and even that score, it was 17-51. to 51, So. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but every other game has been relatively close. I mean, you're looking at uh, Carolina versus Jacksonville. That was 20 to nine. It was Week One. Uh, Carolina's undefeated. Exactly. You know, so you t- you take that with what it is. Week Two, the Jaguars won 20-23 against Miami. Uh, week Three, we obviously just talked about that. The the blowout at New England. Week Four, the Jaguars lose to the Indianapolis Colts by three points, 13 to 16. The week five at Tampa Bay, they lose 31 to 38 at Tampa Bay. Week six, Houston 31, Jacksonville Jaguars 20. Week number seven, Buffalo Bills 31, Jacksonville Jaguars 34. They had a bye in week eight. Week nine, Jacksonville Jaguars 23, New York Giants 28. So all their games have been pretty close outside of that one. And it kind of mirrors a lot of what the Ravens have done this season. A lot of really close games, just not being able to get over the hump on these games and finish it. You know, if the game does come down to that, I trust Justin Tucker, I trust Joe Flacco, and I trust an overall veteran offense and defense in the Ravens than I do a squad that's still really, really young in the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're up and coming. They're going to be in playoff contention in a few years, honestly. But they're not quite there yet. They still need to get some more defensive guys before they can really be there. And uh, I just, I don't know. I, I think I think the Ravens have this. I could be surprised here. Um, but I, I think this is probably the win that the Ravens need to kind of get their confidence back. I see this being the other way. The way that... Uh... The, the team that they can close out games against will be the Ravens. The Ravens' defense is still weak. I know they played better against the Chargers, but that was against the Chargers. They suck this season. If there's a game that this team needs some confidence built on, it's against the Ravens. The Jaguars can play the Ravens. They'll play them hard. And this is when, like, another heartbreak for the Baltimore Ravens happens. This team doesn't close out games. The Ravens don't know how to close out games. They hardly do. It takes a Josh Scobie double-miss field goal and overtime against Michael Vick's Steelers to do it. It takes terrible amounts of uh, of luck finally swinging into the Ravens' way to be able to win a couple games. I see this going for Jacksonville. I do. I just I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a game at home for the Baltimore Ravens, and as terrible as the Baltimore Ravens' defense has been, the Jaguars' defense has been just as bad. Right. I mean, 
uh, again, we're looking at it. It's 25th in passing yards for the Jacksonville Jaguars, 29th for the Baltimore Ravens, uh, 25th in points for the Baltimore Ravens, and 30th in points for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, the Jaguars are letting up far more points, significantly more points than the Baltimore Ravens are. I feel I, like I, just, I feel like the hugest stat to help out is uh, they were playing against the Patriots when they went on an absolute tear, and the Ravens, and that kind of like puts out uh, on their sample size a huge increase against that. They played against the undefeated Carolina Panthers. They played the undefeated North New England Patriots. They're playing very hard teams. It sounds like at least for those first two weeks, you know, and that kind of makes outliers happen, which raises their average. This Jacksonville Jaguar team is very good. Uh, Bortles on pace for 4, 000, over 4,000 yards. Robinson and Hearns both playing very, very well. They're 2-6 and six somehow. It doesn't add up. Uh, I, I see this going in the Jacksonville's way, but like you said, this is a good, this is a good matchup. Both teams suck at the moment, to be honest. You know? Yeah. It could go either way. It absolutely could go either way. And both of our arguments make sense for both sides. You know, it, it's yeah. going to come down to who, perfo- who fucking performs on Sunday. Yeah, and, and again, like we talked about beforehand and even right now, it, it, a lot of it, I think, depends on can guys like Chris Givens, Kamar Aiken, even Marlon Brown, if he sees the field, can those guys not necessarily make up for Steve Smith? Because you're not going to make up for Steve Smith, Absolutely whether not. it be in the grit, whether it be in the a- attitude, whether it be in, in his actual production. Because, I mean, Smith was on pace for a 1,500-yard season this year. Um, and if he didn't drop a bunch of touchdowns, he would have a bunch of those as well. But, you know, it, can they go ahead and come close to that production as a whole? Mm-hmm. If they can, and we start seeing Kamar Aiken maybe not show completely up and, and put up a 100-yard game, but then put up a 20-yard game, maybe if he can put up 70 yards every week, and Chris Givens can put up 70 yards every week, maybe this is the team that, that kind of finally gels itself together around a bunch of young players and can maybe grow itself as the season goes on. Look, this isn't a team that's going to get into the playoffs. I would not put money on it, but maybe that can happen. And and again, against a terrible Jacksonville Jaguars team, uh, or excuse me, a defense that's allowing tons of passing yards and and a fair number of points, Mm -hmm. maybe this is the time that they need to go ahead and do it. We did see it against San Diego uh, in, in week eight. So I, I don't know. It, like I said, it, it'll be interesting. And if they can, then I think this is the team. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens are just veteran enough. Uh, they have enough experience in these types of games. When another crappy team keeps shooting themselves in the foot, the Baltimore Ravens eventually stop shooting themselves in the foot right. and eventually get up. We'll definitely see. I'm actually looking forward to this game. It should be a decent game. And by decent, I mean two bad teams competing usually makes for a good game. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. when two great teams go against each other, it's a huge defensive struggle or it's a big powerhouse shootout. This game is going to be a crap fest, so both teams will suck and they will both suck hard. And I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to a bad matchup look good. You know, I really am. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it'll be interesting. Like I said, it uh, you know Bortles, while he does have the stats on his side, 17 touchdowns. 10 interceptions, uh-huh. uh, his completion percentage is not all that great. So, again, if the Ravens can pin their ears back and get after him, uh, hopefully the Ravens will win. Been... If, if they can't, then 
we we see what we'll see. I just don't see the Ravens getting any pass rush happening. Even though the Jacksonville line is bad, uh, we just we're just so bad at it. Courtney Upshaw is the worst pass rusher in the NFL. That that is like <laughs> yeah. not just linebacker, not just DN, not defensive tackle. He's worse than Brandon Williams pass rushing. And Brandon Williams is negative bad. Like, his run stopping is just absolutely phenomenal lately. That's how yeah. bad Courtney Upshaw is a pass rush. He just doesn't know how to do it. Like, you could have a quarterback open, and, like, you could just not block him, and I'm pretty sure he'd still find a way to trip. It's just that bad. So, we'll see. Like, both teams are so negative that it's going to be a positive matchup. That's why I'm looking for yeah. this game. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it... – I, they, like yeah. said, there, there very well could be a lot of alcohol at the end of it, but uh, amen. You know, I mean, there could be a lot of crying, there could be a lot of tears, be a lot of pain, a lot of rain. That's why men cry for women. That's why women, women, can I slow down to to honor a woman? Mama, So don't forget, people, you can go ahead and call into our hotline here at 410-635-0869. That's 410-635-0869. Hit us up. Let's talk a little bit about what you think about the Jaguars, Dennis Pitta, uh, or, or that terrible, terrible song I just played. We'll leave them open for a few moments. Uh, in the meantime, Matt, what... What are you looking forward to in this matchup? Who are you going to be watching most of all? That's what my question is. Who are you going to watch most of all on the offensive side or defensive side? On the offensive side, the big person, um, or excuse me, the big people I'm going to be watching for is going to be Kamar Akins and Chris Givens. And uh, Chris Givens got bumped up to the top wide receiver spot opposite of Kamar Akins. So, you know, with Steve Smith out, Hopefully we'll see something out of Chris Givens. He has done well. I believe he's put up 17.7 yards per catch as of right now. And if Joe Flacco didn't underthrow him a few weeks ago, uh, severely underthrow him, he has a touchdown to add to that and about 50 yards, which throws his uh, yard per catch average through the roof, right. probably closer to to the mid-20s at that point. Um, so, you know, hopefully Chris Givens now in the starting role can continue with that and, and can go ahead and show up on a regular basis and, and beat the defense that, that's been set up to, uh, against him versus trying to go up against maybe a nickel corner and trying to beat that guy. Uh, Kamar Aiken, again, I want to see him be just more consistent. Uh, so the wide receivers for me right now, if I'm watching it at home, if any of you are watching it at home, pay attention to the wide receivers as much as you can. Do they get separation? Are they crisp in their routes? Uh, and, if the ball does come their way, can they secure the catch away from their body and secure the catch? Uh, it's been an issue for this Baltimore Ravens team all season long is securing that catch. So uh, those are the two guys I'm paying attention to uh, on the offense. Defensive side of the ball, whoever the hell's coming out in the pass rush? Uh, you know, we just talked about it. Doomerville is doing pretty well. Uh, he ranks as the third best edge rusher since week two with a plus. 15.8 pass rushing grade. Zadarius Smith and Courtney Upshaw, not all that great. Zadarius Smith has a negative 3.6. Courtney Upshaw has a negative 7.6. Ranked in the bottom 
five over the same time period. So can Zedaria Smith turn it around? Can Courtney Upshaw turn it around? Uh, if neither one of them can, is there anyone else on this roster that might get a chance and might be able to show a little something, uh, even if it's not necessarily a positive grade, as long as it's not as bad as Smith and, and Upshaw has been uh, so far this season. So uh, th- those are going to be the guys that I'm paying attention to on offense and defense. How about you, Kyle? On offense, I'm going to be watching the tight end group. I want to watch uh, Crockett Gilmore get something really going. I want to see him with like five to eight catches. I think that would really solidify the Ravens uh, being front runners for winning this game. I want to see Max yeah. Williams get going. I would love to watch all three of these tight ends just absolutely dominate the game, but it's not so easy as easily said as done. On defense, though, I'm going to be watching two players, Jimmy Smith and Will Hill. I say Jimmy Smith because I want to see if he can actually compete in coverage, and I want to see Will Hill because wherever the fuck he's going is where the play is ending up. <laughs> yeah. Because he's always the one chasing down whoever the hell screwed up. Yeah, I, I'll completely agree with you on that one. If, if Will Hill's in the in this uh, play, it's usually because somebody screwed up. Because you're not throwing at Will Hill. He's he's one of the better uh, pass grades. He's actually top five uh, as a safety, safety this season. He's a very good safety. It's unbelievable how good he is, especially with how negative his, his grading has to be because he's making up for everybody else's mistakes. If everybody else was doing their goddamn job, he could be top three, maybe even competing against uh, Earl, Earl Thomas, you know? He could, he could be the guy that they're like, holy shit, this guy's amazing. Well, actually, over the last month, PFF actually has uh, Will Hill ranked total all. Uh-huh. Uh, he has him ranked as 19th with a plus 2.8 grade. Uh, he was second with a 6.8 plus grade. Uh, but yeah, in the last month, he's just uh, he's dropped pretty far. Yeah. And, and a lot of that does come from trying to make things happen with bad cornerbacks in front of him. Yeah. So. It's miserable. Yeah. It is miserable. Is there anybody that feels like calling in? Call in the next three minutes. Get your questions answered. Get your comments heard. Let us know how you feel or what you want to know. Please do that number. Once again, Matthew, hit me with that number. 410-635-0869. Again, that's 410-635-0869. I am here on the phone lines. Hit me up or else I'm going to play this song again. Do it. Play the song. For me and for women. That's why women... <laughs> Can I slow down to, to honor a woman? Mama, you can hear me. I'm sorry for the pain. And pass it to your love. I was in the... I just realized this is a song to his mother. Is it? Let's play it again. Why men cry for women? That's why women... Women... <laughs> Can I slow down to... To honor a woman, mama, mama, if you hear me, is it mama? I'm sorry for the, I'm sorry for the pain. Are we assholes now? No, fuck it, it's still terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Look, everyone knows Ray Lewis is the biggest mama's boy on the planet, and that's fine. Look, I'm a mama's boy too. Mama's I ain't, ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, exactly. I think most guys are really mama's boys. You gotta be. There ain't nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Oh, that's good. 
But I, I certainly ain't gonna sing a shitty song to our mom. I'm, oh my God, Mother's Day, we're singing this to our mothers. <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do the shit out of that. Oh my goodness, this is gonna be gold. Congratulations on recording this for us, Kyle, because that is absolutely going up on this podcast. Good. Now, on that note, folks, with no other callers coming in, thank you so very much for listening in to the worst possible podcast ever and the best one, all wrapped up into the same same tone. We appreciate your calls. If you didn't call this week, please call next week. I love answering phone calls. Get your voice heard. Get your comments out or ask some questions if you want to know more. Matt and I do this as our job, so we kind of have to know at least something. Please call in. It doesn't even have to be about the Ravens. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. But once again, my name is Kyle Barber. With me, as always, Matthew Stevens. Thank you very much for tuning into the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. We'll see you next week, folks. That's why men talk for women. That's why women, women, can I slow down to, to honor a woman? listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. If you like what we do, please like and share us on SoundCloud, Rabble.tv, and iTunes. Also, check out our Patreon account to donate as little as a dollar toward the cause and get some cool perks. Join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern for yet another Baltimore Beatdown Podcast.